Good morning, and it's time for conversation here on 94 WIP All Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon, and before we begin the conversation today, we need to talk about another kind of conversation, the conversation about what happened in Parkland, Florida this past week. 17 lives lost. Tragic beyond belief. The nation is hurting. I'm hurting. All of us are hurting. And it's time to say enough is enough. Enough is too much. Congress, Mr. President, you need to do something about guns. And when we come back in just a minute, America's favorite teacher, given Parkland, we want to honor the teachers, especially the teachers who lost their lives, and we want to give you a laugh. Our Miss Brooks, starring the fabulous Eve Arden, when we come back in just a bit. The WIP time, 6.02. And we're back. It's conversation. My name's Peter Solomon. And I'm pleased to welcome here to 94 WIP, Dr. Harlan Ullman. He's been on before. We've talked about America and its wars. He's a member of the Senior Advisory Group of the Supreme Allied Commander of Europe from 2004 to 2016, and a senior advisor to Washington, D.C.'s Atlantic Council. He's got extensive experience. Good morning, Dr. Ullman. Morning, Peter. Dr. You talk a lot about wars and how we never can seem to win a war that we get into. And I think a different kind of war is exemplified what happened down there in Parkland, Florida. What do you think? I could not agree with you, and uh, I will provoke a lot of your listeners this morning saying that uh, it's time we reviewed the Second Amendment for several reasons. Uh, Second Amendment says a well-regulated militia. Let me repeat that. A well-regulated militia necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to bear and carry arms should not be infringed. The notion when the Constitution was written and approved in 1789 was that the United States, as noted in the Constitution's first article, uh, would raise an army and maintain a navy. The point was that we were not going to have a large standing army and the states would supply a militia in time of crisis. And the notion of a militia was also there to block the power of the federal government. Now, those concepts have changed dramatically. The state militias have become national guards. National guards are vital to the security of the country, but the national guards also report to the federal government. And so when you take a look at the Second Amendment, the notion about states' militias has been completely made, changed and obsolete, and the right to bear and carry arms. Well, in the Wild West, people were required to check their guns in many, many cities to prevent violence, and nobody complained about the Second Amendment then. My point is that gun violence has gotten out of hand. The notion of semi-automatic weapons is intolerable, and I think that there needs to be uh, a complete review of who, who can bear and carry arms. If you fly an airplane, if you're a doctor or a lawyer, you have to have an examination. You've got to be uh, vetted for this. We don't do that with guns. And unfortunately, you can take it to the bank that nothing will happen. Uh, ever since the shootings in Columbine 19 years ago, we have one outrage after another, Sandy Hook in 2012, and what happens? The answer is nothing. More and more kids are killed, and Congress stands by, impeded by the National Rifle Association, and the notion of most Americans that they have the complete unfettered right to bear and carry arms, uh, which is really not true, except that the court's interpretation, in my judgment, of the Second Amendment has been profoundly different over time from the original version of the Founding Fathers. Therefore, 
I think we ought to take a look at the Second Amendment and to make some changes. We did that with one other amendment, the 18th, with prohibited the sale or consumption of alcoholic beverages. We repealed that. I think it's time we look at the Second Amendment and bring some sense back into how we deal with guns in America. Mm. I can hear people in the National Rifle Association now going, take my gun of out of my cold, dead hand. Of course, and that's absurd. And, and for a variety of reasons, the way that courts have interpreted uh, the right to bear and carry arms is, is, is completely different from what the founding fathers had in mind. And so my point is, all right, what's the right thing to do? The right thing is to Congress to come in and pass legislation that puts some kind of sensibility into all this. One thing we could do, which will also outrage the NRA, is to put chips in bullets so that every time a bullet is bought in a store, people know who, who's buying it and you can follow the chain accordingly. Uh, people would say that that may be an, an, an insult to my ability to bear and carry arms, but it's one way to prevent the damage. And, you know, in this country now, I'm afraid, Peter, we have more guns than people, and that ain't good, especially when uh, people are afraid of the future. That, that fear has translated to anger, and that anger has translated to outrage. And I think at this particular stage, something has got to be done. But you and I that know that Congress is not going to act. Well, it's interesting, though. There seems to be an intense outrage going on in Parkland, Florida. Um, never have I seen signs, demonstrations, tweets so angry as they are right now. Absolutely. But the same thing was true in Sandy Hook. They may not have been quite as angry, but they, of course, were uh, grief-stricken. And this is going to continue to happen and happen and happen. Um, and like so many other things, uh, the government doesn't seem to work very well. And when you take a look at how we are not dealing with immigration, the fact that the immigration bill has so far not passed through the Senate, you take a look at what we've done with our debt and deficit, uh, we're going to be spending ourselves into oblivion. You take a look at our foreign policy that American influence abroad uh, is declining. Uh, so almost every part of American society where you look, the government is failing its people. And I don't think that that's going to change any time in the near future. And we have a caller this morning who wants to talk to Dr. Harlan Ullman. Let's say good morning to Jim from Lansdale. Good morning, Jim. Gentlemen, I uh, just had to, you know, uh, I, I listened, you know, to the, you know, uh, the good general's, uh, you know, assessment there. And, and you know, it's, it's poignant. Um, but, you know, I think uh, he he tended to take a viewpoint of <clears throat> the militia and the National Guard that, that I don't I don't agree with. I just want to, you know, offer some some other ideas and opinions on what that what that is. I'm not, a, you know, a constructionist that, that inter interprets the, you know, the Second Amendment as, as, as absolute. But, you know, it's tough to, you know, look at the Constitution and say, you know, these words and then interpret the words. It, it, it's an incredibly, wonderfully written document that is so layered and nuanced, and they knew what they were doing, you know, and it's up to us to really deconstruct it and apply it. But there is something essential about the militia, a well-regulated militia, you know, being formed from the people. Now, he mentions the National Guard. I was a proud member of the National Guard, deployed four times with them, and, uh, you know, I understand what the state militia is now today, but what the Constitution is trying to provide for is the people to throw off the oppressive government of, of England or, or of 
you know, a, a government going right. He points out all the things that the government is failing at today. And I, I, I look around and I, I kind of worry about, you know, some of the constitutional rights that we have that are getting, I think, eroded under this administration. I'm a Republican, and I'm worried about it. And, I, you know, the day people, – people laugh at preppers. They laugh at people, you know, uh, you know, being so paranoid that they have to stock up a 1,000 guns and 500 days of food and things like this. But the essential time when they wrote the Constitution, they were throwing off an oppressive government. If you don't think that that time could come again and that the, the will of the people is only backed up by their ability to defend themselves, then I think you don't understand the Constitution. Reaction, Dr. Roman? Well, the fact of the matter is if you read all the uh, – Federalist Papers and all the supporting information that went on at the time, there is no doubt, there is absolutely no doubt that people could bear at, carry arms in the context of reporting to the state militia, period. And the notion was that people would be called upon to deal with the state militia, and it was in that context that the right to bear and carry arms was extended. You're isolating an aspect of it, and, and you're, and you're Using it is a good argument. You're, you're making a good editorial debate, but but there's also nuanced language in there that says they should be the, you know the right to protect themselves within their homes and their you know the Fourth Amendment talks about their papers you know that they should be able to protect themselves and that and and the second you know it's nuanced. The second goes into the fourth. The, you know, first goes into the second. It it doesn't you know. Uh, it, it, it's not cut and dried. Yeah, I, I'm you know, afraid not, I, I don't. I, I I could not disagree with you more. It is absolutely cut and dried. And if you go back <laughs> and read the argument, you okay. go back to article. You go back to Article One, Section Eight, that Congress has the right to raise an army and maintain a navy. I don't know that you were paying enough attention to what I was saying there. And the fact was that we did not want to have a standing army. It is only after World War II that we had a large standing army. The only time we had large armies is when we went to war, the Civil War, World War I in particular. Uh, and the notion was that it would be the state's militia that would provide the necessary armed forces. Now, the notion about defending yourself uh, in terms of the Fourth Amendment, those are recently contrived arguments, probably since the 1960s. I mean, this debate never really existed in this country before the 60s and the 1960s and 1970s. As I said, in the Wild West, Nobody was complaining when you went into Dodge City and you had to put your, check your guns with the sheriff because of the fear of violence. Nobody was saying my Second Amendment rights were being impinged upon. And what's happened over time is that the courts have made different interpretations. Quite frankly, as a former Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Warren Berger, said, if they had put the commas in the right place, the Second Amendment would be viewed very, very differently than it, was today, than it has been today. And but what those I'm suggesting men were is those men were geniuses. They knew how to use a comma better than most of us today. They understood what they were doing. They nuanced it. They layered it. It's it's well, it's work. Jimmy, it's work you and I, you and I can have you and I can have an interesting discussion about this. But the absolute fact of the matter was that when the Constitution was written, there was no notion about a universal right of people to be able to bear and carry arms. It was in the context of a well-regulated militia, which was also written. And if you go okay. back and read the documentation, in terms of. <laughs> uh, the ability to raise an army, quite Jim, simple. And there was no debate about that. There was nothing nuanced. Jim, unfortunately, we have to move on. But I think the question Good becomes, day, gentlemen. Good day. Yeah. I think the question becomes the right to bear arms to throw off a repressive government is one thing. 
how do we have that in such a way that keeps 18-year-old disturbed individuals from getting a gun and walking into a school and starting to shoot? Of course, and there has to be there has to be some sensible uh, legislation to do that. But the notion that an individual with, with guns or series of guns is going to protect himself or herself against a repressive government, if that government really turns repressive, is just fatuous because the government has uh, so much more access uh, to more than just uh, the individual types of weapons that an individual can uh, possibly obtain. So uh, if the government goes berserk, uh, what we have is the ultimate safeguard, which is the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and a check and balance of government in which the courts also form an equal branch of government, which is meant to be able to prevent the federal government from imposing uh, unwished authority on individuals. That's the basis of the Constitution, not whether you have guns or don't. And we have another caller this morning. Let's say good morning to Jimmy from Mount Holly. Your question or comment, please. Uh, yeah, Peter, first of all, I want to say this is a great show. I never miss it on Sunday mornings. And it's wonderful when we callers can call in and participate. Now, I have a solution to this show, I believe. If you could just bear with this phone call. First of all, no one in America, a private citizen, should be able to get their hands on these assault weapons. I don't care what these NRA wackos want to think and call in with something like that. There's nothing wrong with people having shotguns and rifles. I'm all for hunting and protecting your home and business and all of that. Now, as far as these incidents, these horrific incidents, this is a case of just wicked people right out of the pits of hell. Now, the solution I would offer, and this may seem a bit horrific, yet it wouldn't to the family members who loved ones just got shot and killed. These people who do this sort of stuff, I believe, should be publicly executed swiftly on national television with the loud message being, this is the end game, you wicked people out there. If you have any notions of taking a gun and going in and killing a bunch of innocent people, this is going to be the final chapter of your book. And I honestly think that would scare them off of what they're doing because bottom line, fellas, is these are evil people. And at the foundation of all wicked, wickedness is cowardice. These people, this kid was a coward, just like everyone else that does this kind of stuff. And these NRA people just make me ill. And the general is so brilliant with his assessment of the Second Amendment because everything he said about the Second Amendment is right and, and, and spot on. I'd like to hear your response to all of this. Well, I'm not sure that public executions do much. Uh, we have death penalties, and I don't know that that really retains or restrains uh, a violent crime. But the point here is that it would be sensible if you're going to be able to buy any kind of a, a weapon, gun. Uh, as I said, if you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, you want to fly an airplane, you want to drive a car, you've got to take a test. And I think there have got to be certain requirements for people to be able to own weapons. And it seems to me that is very, very, very sensible. But the problem is that, as because I, as I noted, Congress is broken and refuses to act, you can bet that there will be more of these outrages in schools and elsewhere, and we will be debating this eternally. It's also interesting in that the United States is the only civilized, advanced democracy where we have these problems of, of, of these shootings. I mean, you don't see this in Britain. You don't see this in Europe. You don't see this in Japan. You don't see this in Asia. And so it's very, very interesting as to why we are unique in that this is a, a, a national scourge. 
And as I said, I think the reason is that the interpretations of the Second Amendment have gotten out of hand. And the notion is that everybody has the right to bear and carry arms. And in those circumstances, you're going to see these situations arising with two great frequencies. It's, sir, one thing I respectfully disagree, I do think that no one wants to die, and they know that there's a death penalty at the end of this. And I'm talking about on national TV and not in the most gentle fashion, because, again, these people are wicked. Unfortunately, to address another point you made, this NRA, which I think is right out of the pits of Hades, is such a strong lobby that I don't really think we're going to get what we need to get here. So the only thing I'd recommend people is just try to be as safe as you can. Pray every day before you send your kids off to school because, unfortunately, I do agree with you, sir. I think we're going to be having these discussions in the distant future, and it is sad when you think about that. Thank you, Jimmy. And you're listening to Conversation here on 94 WIP. One last caller. Let's say good morning to Ronnie from Ardmore. Ronnie, your question or comment, I need you to be brief. Okay, Pete, I'll make it quick since we're at the top of the hour here, but I'm going to try to straighten your guest out. Um, The First Ten Amendments are anti-government. First Amendment prevents the government from limiting speech, assembly, and association. The third, we'll skip the second. The third prevents the government from putting soldiers in your house. The fourth prevents the government from searches and seizures. The fifth prevents the government from making you testify against yourself. On and on and on. Now, this guy's going to tell you this gives the government rights to control arms? No, guy. I'm sorry. That's what's wrong here. That is specific. Can we own a fully automatic weapon? I can, yes. I get my ATF checked. And if I got the money to buy one, I can own one. Now, the problem is, I used to go to school back in the 70s. We used to have rifle clubs. I've seen kids carrying guns in the street to school, and we put them in the lockers. Society has changed, my friend. And we, we've, lost, we've lost God in the schools. We've lost discipline. We've got single-parent families. That, uh, we got a whole mess that we have not been paying attention to for fear of offending somebody. And until you get on that side of the spectrum, maybe we'll get back to the 70s where we didn't have school shootings. And that's, that's my comment. But how do we prevent people who are mentally ill, whether they be 18-year-olds or 59-year-olds, from getting their hands on guns? We had a vibrant state hospital system back when I grew up as well. And there were people who'd say, hey, we better take, you know, we pull this guy out and let's, let's you know, put him to the hospital, make sure we're, you know, he's on the up and up or treat him if necessary. We don't have that anymore because the ACLU and, and, and I think the, the Republicans came through and said they wanted to save the money, but the liberals also wanted to have the, 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 you know, that's why we have such a major homeless problem here too is because we used to have facilities where we used to treat and take care of these people. And we're not doing that now. They're just running wild and we're, we're feeding them dope. They, they, all these people won't be surprised. This kid was on some kind of antidepressant or something. All these shooters are. We're medicating our problems instead of really and put a Band-Aid on them instead of isolate. The FBI was contacted how many times? The cops have been in this guy's face 39 times, 36 times, and now all of a sudden it's the gun's fault? Come on, man. Thank you, Ronnie. You got it. Good show, Pete. Thank you. And I want to say thank you to Dr. Harlan Ullman, expert on things that have to do with wars and wars we don't seem to be able to win, whether it's a war on the land or whether it's a war 
for the hearts and minds of people around guns. I think Dr. Ullman is telling us this is going to be another war we won't win, and that scares the bejesus out of me. Thank you, Dr. Ullman. And you're listening to Conversation here on 94 WIP. My name's Peter Solomon. Stay tuned for WIP Sunday. If you can't, nothing left to say, but see you soon.